Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Casket Minds podcast, your weekly destination for all things gaming, including the latest in game industry news, in-depth reviews, impressions, and much more. As always, I am your host, Mitch, alongside Drewby, Drewby, Drew. What's up, Drew? You know, I am ready to play some Final Fantasy 16. Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, so just as a heads up for the time of recording this, um... It is a day after the launch of Final Fantasy 16. I literally just got my copy. I pre-ordered it from Best Buy, um, and Best Buy loves to screw me over. So I just got that probably like 15 minutes before Drew and I hopped on the call to record the record the podcast. So um, it's still installing because I got it physically, of course, because um, we're big physical men here. Uh, as we like to say weekly on the okay. Cast of Minds podcast. We but like to get physical up in here, you know? A hundred thousand percent, Drewby Drewby Drew. Uh, it has ten minutes left. That's very exciting news. So as soon as the podcast ends, I'm going to go personally uh, pick up from where I left off in the demo because that's a great feature, and I am very excited to see where this story goes. But we're not here to talk about Final Fantasy 16 today. That's a discussion for another time. Today on the Casting Minds podcast, we are going to be doing our first review, and that review is going to be of Diablo 4. Just as a heads up, we are going to be talking about story stuff, and we will be spoiling it. It has been three weeks. Uh, The story is not super long. Um, For most things that you want to do in Diablo, which we'll get to again in a few minutes, um, Diablo is very in-game heavy, so you have to beat the campaign slash story in order to really get into the meat of Diablo. Um, with it being three weeks past, Andrew and I both um, beating it and wanting to talk about the story, we're just going to give you a heads up now. We will be spoiling some of the story content. Um, so yeah, if that's not your thing, of course you can skip ahead to the news sections or just later we'll be time stamping this so that if you do want to avoid uh, spoilers, that's totally fine. Just come back to it whenever you do finish it and hear our thoughts on it. Um, On top of that, we got some big news this week uh, coming from the Nintendo Direct that decided to happen. Uh, New developments in the Activision acquisition with Xbox, Kojima news, and more. So stay tuned to episode six of the Casket Minds podcast. So before we dive into the Diablo review, we'd like to thank all of you guys for the wonderful support. Uh, if you want to continue supporting our show and staying up to date on the latest gaming news, be sure to subscribe to our channel, give a thumbs up on our video, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on Twitter at CasketMinds. So, Drewby, what are your overall impressions of Diablo 4? So, I I wouldn't say like I'm a huge Diablo fan, because I've mostly just played Diablo 3. Um... But I was, like, really looking forward to this game. Um, I thought it looked awesome. The beta was awesome. Um, and I loved Diablo 3. So I was, like, really excited for this. Um, especially how they were kind of doing this blend of, like, Diablo 3 gameplay with a lot of, like, RPG elements of Diablo 2. Because um, that's something that people didn't love about Diablo 3. They kind of... Uh, dumbed down a lot of the RPG features um so I was like you know super hyped for this game and I feel like it lived up to my expectations um I mean like whenever I'm not playing the game I think about it all the time um it's just a super addicting gameplay loop 
um the story was really good um and yeah like i just i had a lot of fun with this game um i don't honestly have an insane amount to to say other than like i just was super addicted to it and i and i still am and i i can't wait to dive into the first season when it drops in a few weeks yeah, likewise. I I was very much looking forward to Diablo 4, uh, and I fell in love with it very, very quickly. Uh, so my history with Diablo is when I was a kid, uh, one of my good friends' dad was super into PC gaming. And I mean, mm-hmm. this is early 2000s, keep that in mind. Um, so it wasn't popular whatsoever. It was very niche. Yeah. Uh, and he was obsessed with Diablo 2. Uh, and I would watch him kind of, and then... Like, obviously, being a kid, I was like, I'm not interested in a game where you're in hell. That's weird to me. I don't want to go to hell. Um, <laughs> but later on, I think I was in, I was either a junior or a senior in high school when Diablo 3 came out. And um, it was only for PC at the time. So I I, I had a shitty laptop. And I, I grabbed that. And luckily, it had a DVD drive on it, because back then, you needed DVD drives. But I went to GameStop, bought Diablo 3, came home, installed it. Uh, and it ran pretty good because, you know, Diablo's not very demanding. Um, but it, it it changed my life in a way. Uh, I never had played anything like Diablo at that time. Mm-hmm. And it, I just fell in love with it. But I didn't fall in love with it in the sense of, um, like, most people that love Diablo love Diablo if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, like, super into... I wasn't super into, like, the end game or anything like that. You know, I beat the story. I was like, yeah, that was really good. And then I put it down and uh, didn't go back until it hit consoles later. Um, I dabbled in in Diablo 2 Resurrected. Uh, a buddy of mine is super into Diablo, and Diablo 2 is his favorite. And uh, when it came out, he actually bought me the copy because I wasn't going to get it. Because uh, I had heard of that it was drastically different and slower than Diablo 3. And so he, he bought me the copy. He was like, dude, just play it with me. And I was like, fine. So we actually didn't do that until a few months ago before Diablo 4 came out. Uh, and I only played for like maybe three to four hours of it. Because I was going to, the purpose was just to play with him because Diablo is more fun with friends. But uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed Diablo 2 Resurrected, but I didn't enjoy it as much as 3. I think I liked the fast paced um, action of it. And. From my understanding, Diablo 4 takes the gameplay of 3, kind of amplifies it, makes it even better, and then but takes like the RPG and like the skill tree elements from 2 and like the dark story, you know, yeah. uh, lores, atmosphere, aesthetic, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah, and really dug into that. Uh, I will preface this before we get into this. Um, Drewby and I have beaten the campaign, but we haven't got to dabble in much of the in-game content yet. And I want to I want to add that note just because I know that there's a lot of Diablo fans that are going to be listening to this and being like, "Well, you're not even reviewing the you know the real part of Diablo." And it's like, "Yeah, that is true, but the game's been out for three weeks, and we're both we're both very busy people, so um, we're we're gonna dive back into it, and we're gonna be talking about Diablo more than just this review podcast." Um, because again, we're both obsessed with it. We can't stop thinking about it. Um, yeah. even though Final Fantasy is here, I can see myself going to Diablo whenever you know I need to just kill some time, just hop into a nightmare dungeon, yeah, get through it, and 
especially whenever the the next se- or the first season drops we'll definitely yep. be covering that 100 percent. um i'm very excited for that uh i just so again i did i never cared for like the seasons or um because I'm I'm generally not someone that usually goes back to a game that uh, unless it's like multiplayer like uh, for instance like Rocket League is my go-to multiplayer game right so like I can just hop in and hop out I don't have to really worry about anything so like keeping up with like seasons every time um, is is new to me and I learned yeah. that, that about like, the seasonal characters in Diablo just like with this iteration of Diablo with Diablo four. Uh, and like the seasonal characters and how you have to essentially you have to create a new character each season so that you get the story quests and like you know the the battle pass stuff and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm not super interested in grinding this base character super high because from my understanding like it takes just as long to get from 85 to 100 than it does to get from level one to 85, and that's a lot of grinding. Yeah. Right. And like. I'm a person that normally if I play a game and I like it, I, I put it down and I don't come back. It's usually the ones that I love that I love to go back and replay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and that's usually for like story stuff. And there's there's so much content these days and so many games that I want to play that I just don't have time for that. Yeah. Grinding a character that I can't use, you know, in another season isn't appealing to me. So instead of starting a new class, I'm just going to wait for season one to drop. And then I'm going to have that Diablo itch you know, in a month's time. So I'm not concerned about that. Yeah, I don't want to grind my character to level 100 per se, and then just have it, you know, just kind of just sit there. And because I mean, it's it's fun to do that now. But again, Final Fantasy 16 just came out. I'm not finished with Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I'm like, under halfway for Resident Evil 4 remake, I have so many things to play that needlessly grinding a character that I'm it's going to become useless in a month is not appealing to me. Um, when the seasons come, you know, and there's, and there's three months time to grind to get better loot and whatnot, then I'll do it. But for this little time period we have now, uh, it's just not for me at this, right, right at the second. Yeah. No, I, d- I definitely agree with that. All right, Jervie. So if you had to give this a number okay, for a score, what would you give Diablo? Um, so I think I'd probably give it a 4 out of 5. Um, I think it's a great game. Um, but I do have, like, a few criticisms while they're, like, very small. Um, it's just enough that it's like, oh man, like, I wish the game wasn't this way. (laughs) Um, but, (laughs) but yeah, I think that, that overall the game is pretty fantastic. Um, both from like a Diablo perspective, but also just like the fun factor. Like I said, like I think about the game all the time, and uh, even if I'm playing other games, I'm like, oh man, you know, I really want to jump back into Diablo Four and like just experience more side quests or do more dungeons or hit up the nightmare dungeons. So, um, so yeah, I I think a four out of five is where I'm I'm leaning towards on this one. Yeah, so if we're going on like a, a five point scale, I would give it uh, a four as well. I don't think it's a five uh, because I do think there are a couple problems with it. Um, yeah. But in terms of like, so if I had to give it like a score out of a hundred, I would probably lean between eighty five to like eighty eight, maybe even like eighty nine. 
Uh, yeah. So essentially a nine out of ten, right? I think that it does so many things fantastically. Um, but there's there's just those few things that that like when you go into like a town and they get my game stutters. So for, just for clarity, I'm playing on PC, whereas Drew is playing on Xbox Series X, correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so when I go into towns, my frames drop a little bit. Um, that's not necessarily a huge thing, but it's just something that I notice. Um, so I played a sorcerer. What did you play? Uh, I played as a necromancer. Um... That, that, that was my main character. Uh, and then I also have, like, a rogue that's level 30. I forgot to say, my Necromancer is level, like, 51, I think. Yeah, that's, that's what my... Uh, I, so I played Sorcerer. I did an Arc Light build. Um, very good, but not your... Not what you think of, like, when you think of, like, a traditional Sorcerer. This one's more melee build. Um, yeah. And it's you know it's an in and out high damage. It's but the, the, some of the the problems with the build is that it's like an incon it's inconsistent with the damage, uh, and that was troubling at times. Like that, of course, that's not necessarily the game's fault, but the the way that I built my character, um, and that's one of the great things about Diablo that I'll have to say really quickly is that even though you pick there's five classes right, and then there's several different ways that you can take your character. So for like instance, sorcerer. Uh, Blizzard revealed was the highest picked uh, character class, and there's there's like four or five ways of that I personally know uh, that you can play the character. There's like a fire build, an ice build, um, a lightning build, which is what I did, but I did it in like a melee sense instead of like a range sense. And I think that it's very cool that you can you can play the same class but have totally different uh, play styles. Um, yeah, it, and you you actually played a little bit more on your rogue, right? So you're level thirty on your rogue. Yeah, yeah. So I'm level thirty on my rogue. I was uh, that's the character that I started with. Um, and then uh, some of my friends picked up the game late, so I just hopped on that character to help them level up for a bit. Um, I'd say out of those two classes, though, I I definitely think the the rogue is my favorite. Um. I just love how fast the the rogue is, but I did build my necromancer to where their attack speed is through the roof. It's insane. Um, <laughs> I, I went with like a blood build, um, which was a ton of fun. Uh, I was just like, be like before, like kind of when I started, I was just like choosing random abilities, um, and I was like, I'm not really like having that much fun with this character. But then I like watched some videos on builds. Um, and I saw this really cool blood build that I, uh, I slightly tweaked. Um, I, like, changed, like, one ability or something like that, um, which I preferred over the other one. Um, and so now my Necromancer's, like, super great. Um, so yeah. And I honestly don't understand why people say that's a under underpowered class. Uh, I just think that people aren't building it correctly. Um, but yeah, that's, like, one of the really cool things about the game. All of the classes feel really unique um in the sense that all of their base abilities are very different and they have different play styles but you can make a necromancer a tanky character if you wanted to or you mm -hmm. could make it have a, a like a really fast attack speed or however you want to build those characters um which is like it just adds so much replayability like especially whenever you get hit with the seasonal uh characters um 
I feel like there's gonna be there there's like enough there to where if you wanted to play the same class every season for some reason, I don't know why you would do that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh but um if you wanted to play the same class, you could switch up your build like every season or something like that or like try something different. Um so yeah, th there's just a lot of variety there that I think is really fantastic. Yeah, agreed. Um and and like Drew said, like you can play the same character for every season if you want to because I mean you're you're getting you'll be getting different uh armors and weapons and stuff every season. Uh it's just if if you're not bored of that character, I guess go for it, but you know, with there being a, there'll be a different meta of course, every season, uh, things will get buffed and nerfed and everything. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm personally going to take the time to, in season one to change classes. Yeah. Uh, normally, I start on Barbarian for every Diablo, but this time I was like, you know what? I'm going to switch it up. Uh, and, the, and on launch night, I hadn't decided on a class just yet. Uh, and we were playing with some of Drew's friends, and one of them suggested they were going to be a barb. So I was like, I'm going to take this time, you know, to play sorcerer, maybe even do like a little bit of ranged. I ended up not doing ranged. I do have like range abilities, like I have fireball, uh, yeah. the, like the, the fire hydra, um, fully maxed out so that, you know, I can run around and it can damage things for me while I run around and not die. Because uh, sorcerer is not great on uh, health and vitality. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go Barb for season one, um, just because it's familiar. And if I don't happen to do that, I'm I'm probably gonna go Druid. I feel like I want to do like a tanky thing since I didn't, you know, get to tank much uh, in base game. So yeah. I'm I'm leaning. So I, I for full clarity uh, disclosure, I did start a second character because originally Druby and I were gonna play through this together. Uh, and then our schedules didn't line up, so we didn't get to play a ton together. But on launch night, I started the Sorcerer. Uh, Druby was having a lot of trouble getting into the game on night one. Um, so a couple of his friends and a, and a buddy of mine hopped on, and we and we played that night. And then the next morning, I had off because I knew I was going to be obsessed and hooked in Diablo. Uh, I started a Druid, but I only got to, like, level 10, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I barely scratched the surface of the character. Um, and I, I I really enjoyed what I did play, even though it's I mean it's literally nothing when you're level yeah. ten. So I want I want I th I think I might go druid. The more I talk about it now, I think I might go druid for season one. Yeah, yeah. Druid's a character that I almost started with, but I ended up not doing. Um, part of me wishes I would have, just because it seems like a really interesting and fun class to play as. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited to try it out eventually. So what are you leaning forward, or leaning toward, rather, on Season 1 character? Uh, yeah, um, I think I'm probably, probably gonna go Rogue, um, but I might try Sorcerer. Um, like, especially with the teleportation, uh, ability. Uh, the sorcerer has it's super awesome so it's so good yeah <laughs> you had so many sticky situations and even like when you're in dungeons and you can't use your mount yeah um it's it you just teleport through a wall and boom I, yeah. that's one thing i'm going to be devastated to lose whenever uh i do sure. start something in season one is i'm gonna have to walk through doors again and that's gonna suck yeah yeah i think for me like i just want to choose like a 
high damage output character um, for season one, especially because I'm really curious to try out like PvP. And I know Rogue and Sorcerer are like the two go-tos for for PvP characters, so probably gonna lean towards those, but I don't know, who knows? I might try something completely different whenever the season drops. Yeah, that's true. Um, even now, like, I, the build that I worked on, um, and I was tweaking it along the way because there were some things that I, I just didn't want to do. I didn't want to go, like, full lightning build, so I have some, like, ice and fire in there as well. So it's kind of like a hybrid character with mainly, like, my, essentially the, the way I do a lot of damage is I stun people, and I can freeze them with my freeze. Like, I have, like, a free, like, a frost uh, shield that goes around me for, like, 15, 20 seconds or something like that and uh it has a chance of freezing the enemies around me so when they're stunned or frozen uh my hydra my arc arc light whip does insane amount of damage uh it's just that whenever it's not frozen or stunned it doesn't do great amount of damage but i mean it, it it also has like every hit adds and stacks so you have the the more you hit and have like a a chain going you have a higher crit chance mm. um so yeah that's where the in, the the inconsistencies come in but overall it was a it was a fun time um yeah but yeah that's that's exciting stuff um we're we're both very much looking forward to season 1 it should be coming mid to late july which yeah. is great timing really because we should be done with final fantasy 16 by then sure um but that's our general thoughts on diablo but i want to go in and you know we talked about gameplay a little bit but this is uh something i want to touch on really quick so if you don't know anything about diablo this game is an action uh rpg or an arpg for short um there's not a ton out there like it but there are clones but i would say the diablo is king and top of the crop um it's personally my favorite yeah for sure um it's got that blizzard um charm that's always there um and yeah i think that if i mean if you don't know what an arpg is i'm not gonna be able to explain it to you well so i would just look up game gameplay of diablo uh even if it's not diablo 4 uh what is the game is it the torchlight that was like that uh, it Do might be. I'm I'm not sure. I was gonna I was gonna say path. Uh, wasn't it Path of Exile was one? Yes. Um, Baldur's Gate as well. Baldur's Gate, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess like the best way to describe it is like the camera is usually top down, um, and like you have like all these different abilities. Like you have your base attack, but then you unlock all these different abilities, like uh that you can utilize in combat and stuff um but yeah it's uh uh oh uh and then of course you can't go without mentioning that a lot of arpgs are really focused on loot um yes so games like borderlands uh destiny they all pulled a lot of inspiration from like games like diablo and baldur's gate and everything like that um yeah 100 so so yeah, you'll uh a lot of games that you might play now, you know, have taken inspiration from from Diablo, uh, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, uh, no, it's definitely yeah, it's it's a, like a hard type of gameplay to describe if you've never uh seen it or played it before. 
Um, so yeah, definitely check out some gameplay. Um, you know, a lot of people are a little adverse to it just because it's the top-down camera, but I promise you, if you've never played a Diablo game before, Diablo 4 is like the perfect one to jump into because uh, yep. it is a super fun gameplay loop. Agreed. And uh, Diablo 4 is, they, they intentionally made the game uh, this time for consoles as well. This is the first Diablo that was um, that was developed with consoles in mind uh, because Dia even Diablo 3, it later came to uh, Xbox One and PS4. But that yeah. game was originally developed for PC. Uh, they they just, I mean, they worked really hard and it was a good port. But uh, from my understanding, I played on PC again, but I've been looking into uh, the console space because eventually, because the game has cross play and cross progression. Yeah. So like if I got it from my PC, PS5, I could pick up my characters from PC. And eventually I'll do that and pro I'll probably wait for a sale because I don't want to pay for a full price for it again. But uh yeah so uh, supposedly this game is much better on console than d3 ever was and i don't think that d3 even had like super glaring flaws but i believe that they nailed the controller aspect of um the arpg on a console which is very Absolutely. exciting yeah yeah the the controls feel fantastic on it and i mean they were really good and uh diablo 3 as well but yeah it's like it's one of those games where you see it and you're like oh this is like a pc game but then you pick up the controller and you're like wow like this actually this honestly feels more like a controller game <laughs> um just because it's that good uh which is really nice because i usually prefer playing uh with a controller over mouse and keyboard um even uh, i'm i'm just gonna be that guy even with like first person shooters I like my Ooh. controller, uh, but I mean, obviously, there are PC games where I will play with mouse and keyboard, um, like Rainbow Six Siege and stuff like that. Like, I'm not going to use a controller on that, but um, games like for like Call of Duty and like more arcade shooters, controller all the way. Um, yeah, that's actually fair because I mean, Siege is pinpoint. You know, you're leaning. Yeah in a doorway or a windowsill and if you're not using mouse and keyboard on pc and you're playing against pc players you're gonna you're likely gonna lose every time unless you're super good on a controller but yeah uh, and especially because on the pc version they uh take out auto aim for the controllers yeah. <laughs> so so you're at a <laughs> massive disadvantage um but yeah so i guess um real quick like, because we kind of, like, touched on, like, a lot of the gameplay elements. Uh, I kind of wanted to touch on, uh, like, some of my criticisms real quick. Um, okay. So I'd, I'd say, like, my main criticism uh, actually comes from the level design, um, which is, like, kind of, like, it's kind of weird because there's a lot of great level design uh, and there's a lot of great environmental, uh, like, art as well. Like, the, the aesthetic of the environments is incredible. Especially, like, when you get into, like, the, the late game of the story. Phenomenal environments. Um, but there's a lot of level design in the game that just feels really unnecessary. And, I, like, this is, like, kind of, like, a thing where, like, you don't really expect this from, like, a big AAA game nowadays. It's, like... 
I don't know. It's just like I feel like it's a waste of resources and space. But there's a lot of areas on some of the maps, especially like the dungeons and stuff, where you'd think that there would be something in this room over here, right? And you like go all like out of your way, oh, like away from the main objective to go check out a room that's in like the corner of the dungeon map. And you walk in there and there's literally nothing. There's no enemies, there's no items, there's no loot. It's just empty. And like maybe the room looks cool, but it's like it it kind of like for me, stuff like that ruins the the flow of gameplay. Cause it's like I, I like to explore in games like these, right? Um, or just like any game in general. If if it's like open enough that I can explore, I wanna see everything. I wanna find all the secrets. And when I go and explore in Diablo, sometimes I feel like I'm wasting my time because I'll go check out these like random rooms that are like away from the main objective and then there's nothing there. Um, and so it just really like slows down the gameplay uh, a little bit, which is like really unfortunate because like most of the level design I think is great, but stuff like that, it's just like, <laughs> like I, I don't understand the uh the reasoning for why they designed some of the levels like that um which I know like some of the dun like some of that like dungeons that you see on the map not like uh mission dungeons or like quest dungeons but like the random dungeons that you can go into uh those do have like some sort of procedurally generated uh levels um for like replayability uh, so that's more understandable, but like when I'm on a main quest and or like a side quest and I'm exploring an area and there's just nothing in these rooms, it's just it's just like kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm on the opposite spectrum of that. I actually love that because I, I in, in Diablo three, I found it annoying, but like when I was playing Diablo two, it was doing the same thing, and I was like, okay, so this is just like Diablo charm. So when I got to four. And there's there's there to Drew's point, there is a lot of that. Um, and I agree that in the main like the main quest dungeons, perhaps they should limit those because yes. I, I like I'm the same way. I like having like when I when I clear a dungeon, I like knowing that I've explored every inch of it. Yeah. And there are I mean, some of them are massive and there's nothing to them. There's just like uh, torture chambers or something or like um some like containers to break for like two or three gold coins so like there's yeah. very little incentive to explore but for me that's part of the charm of diablo and blizzard um and maybe that's just a me thing but i i didn't like it in diablo 3 until like towards the end and i was like okay i get it now right yeah uh, and, and i ended up leveling all of my characters to max level or not max level but like the max level in that world tier in diablo 3 so i think it was i think it was uh, what was the hard cap then? I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember either, honestly. <laughs> but I did it for all the characters because there was a trophy for it. Um, yeah. And yeah, by by the time that like the second or third character rolled around, I I just enjoyed it. I, it's it's dumb. It's not it's not great level design, but I think there's it's like like Bethesda jank. You know what I mean? There's a charm to it. Like yeah, it's pointless, no. and it sh it maybe it probably shouldn't be there, but. I, I find solace in the fact that they are there. Um and with like the procedurally generated stuff, like that's that's bound to happen. Um 
but for the main stuff i i agree i i think that they should probably limit uh those as well yeah uh, one of one of my complaints for this game is that sometimes that like especially like towards the end of the story the characters will be talking and i'm i'm talking to another character and um like the main dialogue like conflicts with each other mm. so like there, there's a character called Lorath in this, and you meet him in Act One. Um, so it's not very spoilerish. It was in the the betas and the alphas and the playtest and um, the stress test, whatever the server thing was called, stress test. R- yeah, uh, uh, server slam, I think. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, there was a point in which he was just talking. Like there, so, when you click on a character in Diablo, there's multiple. Sometimes there's multiple like dialogue trees. Think of like Skyrim or like any Bethesda game. Um, they he was talking like as if I asked him something for the main quest when I'm asking him like a side thing. Like, yeah. what is this character doing? And he's talking and he's progressing the main thing. I'm like, I don't know which one to listen to. This is <laughs> not good. Um, yeah, that's one of my biggest things because that happened a lot for me towards the end of the game. And then there was this one point where like there was no dialogue at all, mm. and I, it was it was like the main the main quest line, right? So like, yeah. I I needed to know uh, the story. Well, I didn't because I didn't need to know, but I wanted to know the story. And yeah, it just wasn't. It was just silent, and I was like. Am I supposed to be doing something? And like a minute later, <laughs> it was like, go to here. And I was like, oh, well, shit, I don't know what it is. So I had to look up a YouTube video to see what the um, audio was. So I think the audio logs were uh, my biggest complaint, I think, so far. Because again, I haven't got to dive super uh, deep into the end game. But from my understanding and talking to a few friends that are in the end game and are super into the loop of Diablo and the loop chase um apparently the loot is not great the loot drops is not um it's not warranting your time and uh probably the 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 guy that i know that is the biggest diablo fan that i know um he's already dropped off of it until season one because of the grind isn't worth it he sees he, he says um and that's honestly turned me off to wanting to do it because I mean I trust him a lot when it comes to Diablo. I mean that, yeah. he's the guy that uh, I ran Diablo three with and bought Diablo two for me. Um, and yeah, he he just he, he like he's playing it still, but like he's not. I think he might be doing another character versus grinding the end game. Yeah, because apparently if you're not spending like a crap load of time doing either the right things in the right places or something like grinding isn't worth it Mm. and and that's turned me off to potentially you know wanting to grind out more of this base character yeah yeah no for sure that that's like something that's like really unfortunate um especially because like the whole like meat and potatoes of diablo is like you you want to grind like that's that's the the end game is grinding out dungeons grinding out loot so you can just make the ultimate builds um it, it's like similar to how destiny is you know that's the same kind of gameplay loop that destiny has um yep. so you want to have reasons to grind um and 
thankfully, I, like we don't have to wait super long for the first season to drop, and so I I really feel like that's something that's gonna get improved uh, whenever that does drop, um, because we will have stuff to grind for, uh, and we'll have a reason to do it uh, when that drops. But it does kind of suck for, you know, the people who are playing right now. Um, but at at the very least, the gameplay is fun enough to where it doesn't bother me too much because even if there isn't a whole lot of reason to to grind super hard right now um the gameplay is just super addicting so i don't really care yeah i mean that's that's another one of the things is that there, there's always the the gameplay loop that is so so good and so satisfying um that makes the grinding easier yeah, and I, I love games that 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 are grindy, but you don't feel like you're grinding. Um, and that was one of the problems that I always had with Destiny at launch is that there was no point in grinding Destiny at launch. You know yeah. what I mean? Because like, especially that first time when we didn't know how the light system worked. Oh yeah. Uh, we were just grinding to get better stuff, and like it would higher have a higher light level, but like a lower base level, and yeah. it was so confusing. But Diablo doesn't have that problem right now, to my understanding. It's just that. It's not dropping great loot. It's dropping like double digits below your actual level, and that's just yeah. not good. Um, For sure. Especially like when you get to like the late game stuff. So, uh, to my knowledge, like once you're in like the seventies and eighties, that's when the the loot drop really just like starts hurting you. Um, and that's a long. That's a, from fifty to there is a, is a while, and I think that I'm on the I'm either on the cusp of fifty one or fifty one now. Uh huh. Um. And yeah, I've I've just been doing some uh, spoilerish stuff that we have, since we haven't gotten to the story yet, I'm trying to avoid spoilers for the people that are listening. Um, but there's a there's a kind of like not a quest, maybe it is a quest. I don't know. Uh, there, there's a task that is presented to you um, that revolves dungeons and stuff. And I've done a couple of those, but other than that, I haven't really touched anything else. Yeah. Um, and it's dropped decent loot. But again, I'm still 50, and I haven't I haven't went up to the next world tier yet. I haven't done like the um, dungeon that takes you to world tier three. Uh, so I'm still in world tier two, just kind of chilling and doing that task. But speaking of story, I think that we're going to transition here into the story. So if you do not want spoilers, um, now would be a time to pause the podcast, uh, skim the search bar to wherever. Uh, the story is not so. Whatever the next uh, the next topic is, right? Yeah. So and we'll have timestamps for you to jump ahead if you need to. Yes. So do that now because we're gonna we're gonna be talking some spoilers here. Uh, I don't think they're gonna be too bad, but if you care about the story in Diablo, which a lot of people do not, but if you do care, now would be the time. I'll give you three seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. I said three seconds, and then it was five. <laughs> <laughs> oh well okay i gave them more time all right yeah so mommy lilith dude let me tell you something oh dude that, that, yes, her as a villain is fantastic my favorite villain of uh the entire franchise so far she was utterly fantastic Agreed. And, uh right now i'm gonna go to like the very end of the game because i think that this is the thing that stuck with me so far uh in terms of story yeah, is they, they the entire time the game's talking about like the prophecy and how Anarius is gonna uh you know be the be the hero he's gonna put the spear of light into the heart of darkness 
essentially Anarius is killing uh, Lilith. And uh, when when you finally get to hell, and you know he 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 gets the, he stabs her, and then she ends up killing him. That scene, that cutscene is so utterly fantastic. Oh yes. my god, I had chills the entire time. The music is swelling and bombastic, and Lilith is just menacing, dude. It's so yeah. good. I love a good villain. That was peak blizzard cutscenes because blizzard always has those crazy cgi yep. cutscenes um and mo most of the cutscenes in this game by the way like for those of you who are listening uh most of them are in engine so like they'll be like in the game play and everything um but uh there's a few cutscenes in the game uh mostly in the beginning and at the end that are full-on cgi and they're awesome and like probably the best cutscenes that blizzard has ever made um but uh yeah that whole sequence that you mentioned and then like everything leading up to it they're like they have like this massive cutscene of like this huge battle with uh gosh i can't remember her name what was the um what was the character who was leading that army uh towards the end that you have to like escort oh um shoot i don't know who you're talking about yeah it's like right on the tip of my tongue but i can't think of it um oh prava prava yeah prava yes uh she's like leading this massive army they're like fighting a bunch of demons and it's like it, it is one of the most epic battles i've ever seen in in a game cutscene. and then anarius comes down and like just starts destroying everything it's super sick um like because i will say um, I feel like towards the middle of the story, like there, there's a point where it kind of, it kind of like slows down a bit for me. Uh, but then like once it starts getting closer to the end, it really starts ramping up. And like, once we got to this moment of like this huge cutscene and everything after that, that's when I was like super into the story and I was just like, this is awesome and epic. Um, so yeah, like that, I I like still can't stop thinking about that whole cutscene because it was like a like maybe like five minutes or something like that. It was pretty long too, um, and it was it was just awesome. Yeah, uh, super good stuff, especially towards the end. I mean, this game really builds up the characters and uh, like Elias is a super cool character with a great voice actor. I'm yeah. not, I don't know what his name is, but man, he killed it. Elias was such a good, like, pain in the ass, the entire, like, third and fourth acts. Yeah. Maybe even fifth act. I can't, no, fifth act's when you go to hell, I think. Or right before hell, I can't remember. It's right before. Uh, but Elias is such a good character, and him and Lorath's dynamic is yeah. is really nice. Um, and Lorath, Lorath was uh, also voiced by, like, one of the most legendary, like, actors right now for like horror films and stuff um i i don't know how to pronounce his last name so i'm just gonna try and assume it's like this but uh it's ralph <laughs> it's ralph enison i don't know if that's how you pronounce it but um he's the dad and the witch great movie by yep. the way uh he's also in the northman uh he's also the green knight in the green knight um he's in chernobyl <laughs> uh but yeah like he has like one of the most distinct like voices um and so it's super awesome hearing him in this game um but he's also 
in another game that we will eventually talk about in another episode but he he's also in final fantasy 16 which like it's just super cool hearing his voice in these like fantasy games because he has such a great voice for it um so i just wanted to like touch on that real quick yeah he, he's a great great voice actor he's got that uh super low like almost asmr version <laughs> like voice uh it's super soothing despite it being oh yeah super like low and growly um man you got me thinking about the witch again and god i need to i need to watch that again uh oh, yeah. my girlfriend hasn't seen it so i really need to get her to watch it <laughs> dude, dude so great Dude, tonight's gonna be a rainy night here in North Carolina, so maybe tonight. Who knows? Oh we'll yeah, see. yeah. Um, I showed her. her this is a side tangent. Sorry, guys. Uh, we sh- I showed her Hereditary and Midsummer, and she loved both of those. So mm. I think I, I think I can win her over with the witch. Oh, for sure, um, for sure. But anyway, speaking of things that wouldn't we like to live deliciously in, um, <laughs> <laughs> Lilith is one of my favorite video game characters now. Um, she is so menacing and up until the end you know she's kind of like one dimensional sort of and like she's like yeah i'm the daughter of hatred i want my dad's powers you know i want yada 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 um her dad being mephisto of course um until we find out like the the i think it's a twist because i don't remember in the earlier in the story with uh rothma being anarius and uh lilith's son and like them being married and like them uh you know having that relationship and then you know breaking it off and then you know they they both went their separate ways i don't believe that is revealed until the end so i think that's the twist uh but that really worked for me um yeah and seeing lilith at the end you know with the with the tears and the blood and like talking about talking about the sun and showing him and like just seeing Anarius not be this godlike figure um yeah. was super good. It added depth to the characters that I think was needed and it did it perfectly for me. Agreed. Um and I I know like once you beat the story now you don't have to play the um campaign again, but I think after a couple seasons, I'm just going to replay the story because I, I, it was my favorite Diablo story to date. For um, sure, for sure. Granted, there's not a ton of it prior, but I mean, I think that Blizzard were in their bag with this one. Um, it's aside from like the the actual gameplay, which obviously that's what Diablo is all about. Uh, the story is probably my my favorite part of this. I think that, I mean, I was so in on Lilith like I know that like it's become like a meme kind of like the Resident Evil uh village lady I can't remember her name starts with like a D right yeah lady lady D uh is what a lot of people call her because she like I think it's like Demetrice or whatever I don't know it's it's convoluted for sure yeah Uh, but yeah like Lilith has become like that mommy-esque figure or whatever and I said that at the top but like nah dude She's not mommy. She's mother. All right. (laughs) And the daughter of hatred, Drew. Let's not forget that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, What did you think about the ending with Nyrell and, or Nyrell and Mephisto? What did you think about that? Yeah, yeah. So I was actually going to say that I really liked how, uh, I I feel like they're kind of like shaping up 
what the story moving forward is going to be because um, I don't know if we even mentioned this at all. Uh, Diablo 4 is the first Diablo game that's like considered like a full live service game. Um, yeah. So they're going to be constantly like adding new story as the seasons drop. Um, and then eventually, you know, we're going to get expansions as well and stuff like that. But uh, I, I kind of like because the way that the story was like kind of ending, uh, it almost seemed like, you know, they they were going to wrap it up like completely it's like oh yeah like, there's like they could have ended it right there if they wanted to um but they didn't they had this whole ending cutscene that like teased what's next um because instead of trapping lilith into the soul stone uh Nayrell decides to trap mephisto in the soul stone um yeah and then she goes out on some adventure uh with the soul stone doing like whatever she's doing <laughs> they didn't really they didn't really like allude too much to what she could be doing but it, they're kind of shaping up mephisto to be the main antagonist moving forward um yeah. and so i i really like that because it, it it uh was like just really interesting like something i wasn't expecting um and it perfectly sets up and shapes the the story moving forward in my opinion hundred percent um and i think they left it ambiguous for for that reasoning yeah uh like why where is Darrell going why is she going there is the so stone slash mephisto like leading her somewhere or is she leading him somewhere yeah. um obviously we can we can theorize on that but we, we don't know a concrete answer um and like drew said we are gonna get paid expansions for this eventually uh, we're going to get battle passes, but every season we're getting story content. Um, the developers have confirmed that. Yeah. Uh, I even think Rod Ferguson confirmed that every season will have story content. Yeah. Um, and even if it's drip, like drip fed to us, I think that's okay because I think that where, where they left us, cause I, 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 I could be wrong cause I didn't play the first Diablo at all. I did beat two, but I three wrapped up, um, off of a, not off of a cliffhanger like this one was yeah. uh so obviously that's intentional because they want to they want to give us more story content but i actually loved where we left off because it left me wanting more from the story yes um if they, it, i know, was satisfied with how it ended but it yeah it like has me excited for what's next right because it, it closed that lilith arc right like lilith is, lilith is gone yeah probably permanently unless you know something comes up but you know mephisto being in the story him like constantly coming up in acts and like wanting to help and then like at the end they choose mephisto over lilith why was that chosen like there's so many questions that i have that i want answered and i think that they're going to deliver on that it's yeah. just when are we going to get that who knows um we're going to get i'm hoping that we get enough from season one that like keeps me on the hook because like right right now i could play just another 20 hours of diablo story just from that yeah. um because i really love where they're going and i thought that i didn't really i think norell like an act one is the weakest of the bunch yeah um except for like act four which is like you know 20 30 minutes if that um and that's just it being short uh but i didn't you know her maybe it's just because i played the that chapter like two times before the game came out but like her character i never loved 
but but I'm so intrigued of where she's going now. Like, is she gonna become an antagonist? Like, is she yeah. gonna team up with Mephisto? Like, there's so many possibilities that could happen. Uh, yeah. And I honestly just cannot wait to see what does happen. Yeah, um, it's it's gonna be really interesting to to see what they do with that, and I'm I'm really excited to to get to that point where we learn more about it. Um, and also, like, just one other thing uh, before we move on, um, like, related to that, uh, she left on a boat, like, and, like, is traveling across, like, the ocean. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that kind of, to me, teases that we may eventually leave, like, this map of sanctuary and we might go in, in a, like an expansion or something like that you know like we might sanctuary. yeah we might go to like a new location or something um which that would be like really cool uh i mean like the map already is really varied um and has a lot i mean like even even though you finish the story you don't cover the entire map in the story which i, I, no. I thought was really interesting there's still a lot of locations i haven't explored yet um yeah, but uh it would be really cool if we go to some entirely new place uh, with an expansion or something like that. So there's a lot of possibilities, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, like they say at the end uh, that um, Loreth is is the last Haradrim, yep. and that sanctuary is basically fucked essentially. And uh, I'm really like that actually has me hyped because I thought about it originally, but I, I I guess I just wasn't thinking about it right now. Uh, of going somewhere else, I would love to see something that isn't sanctuary just to kind of like see how like I guess other civilizations and races and characters and stuff uh, exist yeah. and like how this story. Because uh, I imagine that the story was just more than. Uh, sanctuaries dealing, and I would like to see how it impacted those areas, if at all. I yeah. imagine it would, but I don't know. I guess we'll find out later down the road. Absolutely. And of course, we will be covering it on the Casket Minds podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. We will be doing that. Uh, the last thing I think that we want to touch on, unless we can think of something else, is just the soundtrack really quickly. Um, yeah. Man, that score is freaking sweet. Oh my Top goodness, tier, dude. dude. Um, like it's Diablo always brings a score. Like oh, yeah. they set the mood in both visuals and audio. And like I mean, this is my favorite video game soundtrack in a hot minute. And I mean just like, you know, not like a not like hi-fi rush like, but like I yeah. don't know, there there's just something special about Diablo and, and the, the sounds and the music and Agreed. You know, just everything audio-wise with these games is it it just does it for me. Yeah, for sure. And, and like like you said, like the other games have great soundtracks, but this one is on another level. Um, they somehow like top the, the other games, which is crazy because like they have great soundtracks. But like this one, um, I think what I love the most about it is it all kind of like stays consistent. But there's a lot of variety. Every location has a different theme. Um, yep. And it fits the mood and the setting and the, the atmosphere and everything uh, of those locations. Um, and then you've got, like, great battle themes. Uh, and just... There's also... There's a lot of strings that are used. Uh, 
Uh, like especially in uh Kjalvistad, the like main uh the main like, like hub world yeah. yeah yeah the main hub um the the soundtrack there is fantastic and it has so just good. like all of these like cellos and violins and stuff that just it's it's just gorgeous um so yeah like this is one of the best soundtracks in a long while um but i mean i feel like i could say that about a lot of games this year because we've had a lot of great games this year but um I definitely think that this is going to absolutely be a contender, even possibly the winner for uh, soundtrack of the year at the Game Awards. Yeah, there's been a great soundtrack uh, for a bunch of video games this year. That's just because this is going to go down as the best year in gaming, uh, which is great timing for the Casket Minds podcast since this is our sure. uh, founding year. Uh, but yeah. Um, I think this one's going to win because for me, I could just, and I did, honestly, uh, I have like a dual monitor setup. And since I was playing on PC, I would literally just sit in one of the towns or just on the main menu and just listen to the main theme while I just played around on my computer. Uh, it's it's just so good. And I know that I could listen to it otherwise, but I don't know, just having the game up on one and just browsed in the, the web or like chatting away was super good and i continue i actually before we started recording that's actually what i was doing i was just walking around uh in one of the main uh, i forget what the other uh the last big hub you go to before, after you beat the game oh yeah um, i can't remember what it was called but I, I was just walking around that town just listening to the to its theme and uh it's so good it it really does a great job at immersing you in the world yeah um and I played with headphones. I know not everyone does, but I'm playing um, with headphones, and it's it it really just drags you into that game for sure. And it's a huge compliment to for me that if a game's audio can do that by itself, not only that, but like the gameplay and the you know the aesthetic of it and the vibe. Um, if if those three things can just draw you in without even needing the gameplay. Uh, you've got a great game on your hands. And fortunately for us, Diablo 4 is a great game. Yeah, 100%. Do you have anything else that you'd like to add on Diablo 4? Or should we wrap up I think, our thoughts? Yeah, I think we can wrap up uh, right there because I feel like we covered kind of the main, the main elements of why this game is fantastic and why you should play it. All right, so... From us at Casket Minds, uh, on the five-point scale, we are going with a four out of five. Um, if we did the half measures, I would probably give it a four point five. I'd probably give Agreed. it a nine out of ten. Because um, man, like the game is special. Um, for me, I still haven't played Jedi Fallen Survivor. Uh, Jedi Fallen Survivor, dude. <laughs> did I say that? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I haven't played Jedi Survivor yet. I haven't played Dead Space yet. Uh, I haven't finished Resident Evil 4, though I'm loving what I have played of it. Um, I've actually played Resident Evil 4, the original, recently, so it's it's weird going through it because it's very close to the original. Uh, but as of right this second, as of, as of we're recording this, Diablo 4 is my game of the year. And that's also with me playing 15 hours of Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, and I know I haven't scratched the surface of that yet, but... Still, Diablo 4 has my heart right now. So we'll yeah. see how the, the rest of this year goes. And as soon as we get done recording this, I'm going to hop on Final Fantasy 16. So 
Um, I love what we got at the demo. So uh, we'll see how we're feeling in about six months, Ruby. Because you know we, we've we're only six months through, and we have some game of the year contenders, and oh, we yeah. still have several more game of the year contenders coming uh, in the next six months, which is very exciting. It's insane, honestly. <laughs> and I feel like we're not even gonna get the chance to play half of them because there's so many that are coming out. There's so much. It's ridiculous. Uh, and speaking of more games, we're going to transition into the news segment for this week, guys. Um, right when we thought that E3 season was over, Nintendo... No, no, <laughs> Nintendo pulled a Vince Carter and said, I got one more in me, ladies and gentlemen. Um, they dropped a Nintendo Direct this week. Which is extremely exciting because um, when you get a direct in June, that means it's it's an E3 direct, which means that we have a higher standard and quality, and something that we expect. You know, we have higher expectations um, in June because that's just that's just how this thing rolls. Um, looking at you, PlayStation, do better. Uh, so the, the Nintendo Direct was the most Nintendo Direct of all the Nintendo Directs, um, <laughs> like. You know what you're getting out of these things at this point, and it's good and bad because I would I would like to see them do a little bit better, but at the same time, um, we got a lot of bangers out of this one and a lot oh, yeah. of first party Nintendo bangers out of this one. Uh, so we're not going to break down everything in the direct. Um, I don't think that it's worth it for a lot of people, but yeah. if you if you're interested in the Nintendo Direct, obviously it's it's up online that you can watch it now. Uh, it's it's about forty minutes, give or take. Uh, but we're going to hit the highlights for you real quick. Um, if you're a Pokemon fan, they revealed the first Pokemon expansion. It's called The Hidden Treasure of Area Zero. Um, it's a planned fall 2023 release. Actually, they revealed the second one as well, which is winter 2023. Um, yeah. They put two Pokemon on the front of it. Uh, I have not played this iteration of Scarlet and Violet yet. Uh, I'm slacking. Uh, normally on day one, like sucked into Pokemon, but for some reason I just wasn't this time. I think it will. I know why. Well, it's, it's probably because the performance is pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was. It was. It launched very poorly, and I don't think that it ever got fixed. Um, but I'll get to it eventually. I promise. But until then, um, yeah, Nintendo DLC coming out. I didn't play the DLC for the other one. That's one thing about me, guys, is that I don't play a lot of DLC, and it's usually because once I put the game down, I never go back to it unless it's like a live service game or something. Um, DLC is cool, but like, it's hard for me to get back into the rhythm. Like for instance, yeah. when I, when I picked up for I, uh, Verizon, horizon, uh, forbidden for, West, Verizon forbidden West. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I picked up that DLC, I was like, how do I play this game again? Like I have everything unlocked because I got a platinum and trophy in that game. And I'm like, tr I'm like struggling to remember how to even shoot the bow. I'm like, what, how did I do this? And like there's a there's a flying mount and stuff, and I'm like, how do I call that again? And so I got I, it takes me a, a little while to like warm up to the mechanics and stuff and remember how yeah. to play. So normally I stray from DLC unless it's like severely highly rated. Um, but like the the PlayStation expansions, I usually do a pretty good job at because I like the stories in them. But I do need to get back to uh, Verizon or Forbidden Hest, I guess. Um, <laughs> I guess that's what we're going to call it from now on. But yeah, <laughs> yeah so um, DLC for that, it's coming. 
Uh, Persona 5 Tactica is coming to Switch. We already knew that. Um, this was a cool little surprise, and normally I wouldn't mention it, but, but it was one of my favorite things of the Direct. They advertised it as a Saturday morning cartoon. Um, it's like an FPS, like, magic. I think, right? Yeah, and it's, it's super cool-looking. Um, obviously, it's a cartoon-looking game. Uh, it's called Myth Force. It's, it's out this year, and I believe that's the only thing they gave on it. Um, I love this, and I honestly can't wait to play it. It's co-op. I think it's up to four players, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so that's that's one of the trailers I would recommend going to watch. Because um, I mean, it looks like a cheap game, but like at the same time, I'm a person that grew up with Saturday morning cartoons, uh, like the WB game, like stuff. Uh, like Dragon Ball Z and then Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, that kind of stuff. Uh, the Looney Tunes stuff. That was fun. Um, but yeah, cool little trailer. Yep. Uh, Splatoon 3, new uh, events happening. <laughs> you get to pick between ice cream flavors. <laughs> you get vanilla, strawberry, and mint chip. I don't know how Splatoon operates in terms of business, but apparently it has to be doing something right. Um, yes. The gameplay uh, is. You already know game. that if I were to play Splatoon three, I'm 100% going with mint chip. Give me that toothpaste ice cream. I love it. Uh, <laughs> I actually don't hate mint chocolate chip, but I also don't like it. Uh, <laughs> actually, I like it on certain things, like the mint Oreos. Dope. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? True. Um. Or like ice cream, I'd rather just have like I'm a chocolate chip cookie dough kind of guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's I, fair. That's that's one of the goats. I mean, that thing was so good, dude. Let me tell you something. We got a uh, this is another little tangent, but uh, we have a a plethora of ice cream shops around here, where I live. I'm about five minutes away from the best one uh, in the area, and let me tell you something. That's a dangerous thing living <laughs> this close to ice cream on, and it's and it's hot outside now, dude. Forget about oh, it. Speaking of forgetting about it, uh, Detective Pikachu, a new game is coming to the Nintendo Switch. It is voice acted, which is extremely exciting because yeah. <laughs> it looked like a lot of fun. I won't lie. Um, they they showed the Pokemon DLC. That was the thing they opened with. And they showed Pokemon again. And I was like, ooh, are we actually getting a new Pokemon game? And we are, but it's not like a mainline one. It's Detective Pikachu. It's ca called Detective Pikachu Returns. It is out October the 6th. It looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for it. But, Drewby, let me tell you something about not waiting for it. You ready for this? I'm ready for this, dude. Super Mario RPG has been remade for the Nintendo Switch. It is beautiful. It is epic. And I cannot wait for it. I am, like, yeah. this is a game that I am so looking forward to. Um, Same, especially because I've never played the. I mean, I played a little bit of Paper Mario, but I haven't played enough of that, and I also haven't played Super Mario RPG. Uh, so this is gonna be awesome. This will be my first time experience with it. Yes, you, you're in for a freaking treat, dude. This game is coming this year, surprisingly, and I am so happy about it. It's November the seventeenth. Um, Actually, this is where the Direct actually was like, hey, guys, you know Mario? We have Mario. Um, we have a so lot opened, of Mario. <laughs> right? So they opened with Super Mario RPG, and then they announced a new Peach game with new details coming next year, where Peach is the uh, protagonist in it. 
Yeah. And then they announced that Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon is getting a remaster for the Nintendo Switch, which is which is extremely hype. Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah. I love me some Luigi's Mansion and Dark Moon was fantastic. Yep, and that's um, coming out next year as well. Yep. Very exciting stuff. 2024 is already shaping up to be a fantastic year for video games. Oh yeah. Um, Especially Nendo. <laughs> yes, Nendo is looking great. Uh, if you've lived under a rock for the past decade and you have not played the Arkham Trilogy, you can now do so if you own a Nintendo Switch. Looking at you, right guy. That's only um, if you want to explode your Switch, though. It might catch true. on fire, especially if you play Arkham Knight. Oh my gosh, could you imagine? I can't wait to hear the stories of this. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> so there's a lot of Nintendo filler. This is what the directs oh, are wait. here. Wait, wait, wait. One of these fillers, we we gotta mention it, dude. What is that? We've got Just Dance 2024 coming to the Nintendo Switch, baby. Yeah, Just Dance is coming to the Switch. So if you want to dance with your Switch, uh, there you go. So um, <laughs> the next... 10 to 20 minutes is a bunch of filler, including Hot Wheels Unleashed 2, but no one cares about that. And uh, our favorite announcement from the Summer Game Fest, Bay Farm. <laughs> I forgot they showed that here. <laughs> uh, yeah, that game showed back up, guys. Um, about the 35-minute mark. Actually, no, it was, it was like the 25-minute mark. I apologize. I forgot this thing was 40 minutes. Um, they showed Pikmin 4. It looks fantastic. I've yes. never played a Pikmin. Um, but luckily, to, but luckily for me, um, Pikmin 1 and 2 got shadow dropped on the day of the Direct, which was uh, Wednesday, I believe. I think yeah. it was Wednesday, um, which would have been the 21st. Um, Pikmin 1 and 2 is now on Switch. Of course, the third one is also on Switch. There is a Pikmin 4 demo coming the 28th which if you're listening to this on the Friday that it releases would be next week. Either way, it's probably next week for you anyway. But regardless, the 20, June 28th Pikmin 4 demo is coming out. Um, they followed that up with the Metal Gear Solid Master Collection. Uh, it got dated. It also got a lot more details. It's coming with like strategy guides and stuff and on the disc slash cartridge if you get it for the Switch, um, which is very cool. Yeah, there's a, there's like soundtracks, there's graphic novels, like obviously digital. Um, there's like an archive. It's a bunch of cool stuff on this collection. Um, and again, they reiterated sure. the the volume one, indicating that there will be a volume two. But yeah. the the best thing to come out of that was the announcement of the date, which is October the twenty fourth of this year. Um, so Metal Gear Solid one through three. Um, the original Metal Gear, Metal Gear 2, and I believe Snake's Revenge is also on there. Uh, yes. I think that Snake... sounds right, yeah. Yep, it is on there. Um, so yeah, if you're a Metal Gear Solid fan like Jimmy Jan, Walker, Texas Ranger Man, um, <laughs> yeah, this is great things for you. Uh, uh, even though he's already played all of them except for 3, I think. But regardless, uh, Metal Gear fans are fixing to eat good. So, yes, sir. Um, speaking of eating good, Drewby. Somehow, we did not know this was a thing, but Vampire Survivors is coming to the Switch. I mm -hmm. thought this has already happened, but I guess it's just for phones. Why? You guys have phones, right? <laughs> you got games on your phone? 
Yeah, can I, play can I play Rainbow Six Siege on your phone? You could. <laughs> All right, that sounds good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that game's coming October the 17th. I know a lot of people are fans of that game. Um, I'm a pretty big fan of it. It's super addicting. I still haven't played it yet, but I want to. I still want to play it. It's good. Um, The next big thing announced was Mario Kart 8 DLC. The yes. fifth wave is coming out this year. Uh, or this summer, actually, sorry. It is, I think all the DLC is finishing up by the end of this year, but uh, summer 2023 was the date slash window. Uh, there's a new course, Squeaky Clean Sprint, which is exciting. I like that they're adding in new stuff as well as the old. Oh, yeah. Um, TD Piranha, the character from Double Dash, uh, the, the GameCube version, uh, Wiggler. The character from Mario Kart 7 <laughs> on the 3DS. And uh I guess that's how you say it. Kamek? Comic? Uh comic. <laughs> he's from Mario Kart Tour. Um yeah, it's available summer 2023. I imagine they're gonna shadow drop this randomly one day. Probably. Um, Mario Kart levels coming, so I'll be booting this that back up and playing some more. Um Speaking of things I'm not going to be booting up, though, Truby, they announced a new WarioWare game. Uh, I thought this was going to be DLC, but nope, they they decided that they, we needed another one. So soon after yep. the first one, I guess. Um, it's called Move It, so if you, if you want the competition to just dance, you got a WarioWare game coming. Oh, yeah. Uh, November the 3rd. Um, and they got... There's two more things that uh, were announced. One big... One really big and one really small, uh, both literally and physically. Um, there's Zelda and Ganondorf Amiibo coming this holiday from Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, both of those look pretty sweet. So if you're into the Amiibo collecting game, um, Zelda and Ganondorf are coming this holiday. Uh, and then Drewby Drewby Drew. For the last thing of the Nintendo Direct of June 2023. 2D Mario, baby. Confirmed. Yes, sir. It looks super sweet. It is called Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Uh, it looks utterly fantastic. Um, it's a new Mario game. Obviously, if you love Mario or even like Mario, this is extremely hype. Yeah. Um, I can't say enough good things about this. It looks yeah. so charismatic, so full of character, so full of its of i want i almost said itself but that sounds condescending <laughs> it's not it's uh it's oozing with style and um yeah. charisma and, and i just looks, cannot wait it looks a lot more unique than like the last 2d mario that we had um, yeah it's very expressive yeah there's just like a lot of new things that they're adding uh it's also four player co-op you can play as daisy which that's awesome um yes. so yeah i Huge. Uh, also, Mario can turn into an elephant. He <laughs> <laughs> beat me to the punch, but yes, you can play as an elephant. Uh, those four co-op characters are Peach, Daisy, Mario, and Luigi, of course. Yes, um, and maybe they have more hidden away for release. True, that, or they'll just make you pay for it or give you free DLC. Who true, knows? true. I don't, I don't know. The, does Nintendo normally give DLC for these kind of games, like 2D Mario games? I guess I, it was Bowser's Fury, but they just that, that yeah, was kind of like a I, I can't remember honestly. 
I guess we'll just have to wait and see, but I yeah. cannot wait to play this game. Uh, it comes out October the 20th, which is unfortunate because that is Spider-Man 2's release date as well. Yeah. Uh, so whenever I'm not playing Mario, or let me let me rephrase <laughs> that, whenever I'm not playing Spider-Man, I'm going to be playing Super Mario Bros. Wonder because this game looks so good. Spider-Man. Like, I'm looking at a screenshot right now of Mario and... Uh, peach like using their hats as a parachute to get to like to the end of the level and it just looks so good i cannot wait for this game guys um but yeah that wraps up the nintendo direct it was um i'd probably give it like an 8 out of 10 direct because i mean i'd, I'd knock a point for all the filler because i don't yeah. think nintendo really nails directs greatly but it, i mean it has the nintendo charm right um it's got the cringe uh uh what do you call it uh like voiceover because they're speaking japanese and the english people are just terrible uh but that's part of the fun as well um but yeah uh there's been some new developments in the activision accusations accusations Accusations. (laughs) (laughs) dude i cannot talk today what is happening with me right now um so this I mean, time, Activision does have a lot of accusations. I will say that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's actually very true. Uh, this comes from Benji Cells over on Twitter. Uh, bombshell from Sarah Bond. Bobby Kotick forced Microsoft to give Activision higher revenue to share. Uh, uh, let me say that. Uh, Bobby Kotick <laughs> forced Microsoft <laughs> to give Activision higher revenue share to keep COD on Xbox X slash S. Uh, quote. Kodak made it clear if we did not move beyond standard revenue share that he intended not to place Call of Duty on Xbox, end quote. Um, so for anyone not aware, there is a huge court case going on right now uh, between the FTC and Xbox about the Blizzard Activision acquisition. Acquisition. Oh my goodness gracious. Accusation. Yeah. <laughs> I need sleep and caffeine, I think. Um, At the same time, that's not a very good combination, but uh, whatever. (laughs) But, so there's a huge court case going on, and I do want to say that next week's episode will be breaking down that entire thing, because there is a lot of juicy details coming out of this. Uh, Unfortunately for us, it's still going on right now, um, so we can't give you all the details, and when I do give you all the details, I want to be able to give it to you all at once. Uh, and hopefully it's over by the next episode of the podcast. But if it's not, we're going to go over the meat and the juicy details of that because sure. it's very interesting. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that um, probably shouldn't have been said in this thing that was absolutely said and said it with their chest. And I'm excited to get into that next week. Uh, oh, yeah. So that that's that's the next episode, episode seven of the Casket Minds podcast. Um, but yeah, what do you think about this, about the... Uh, the bombshell that Sarah Bond dropped. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, Activision had this, like, really close relationship with Sony. Um, yep. And, I mean, like, they have, you know, this contract where uh, DLC, um, that, like, the PlayStation gets exclusive DLC for the new cause, um, which I think is stupid. Like, <laughs> honestly, like, I can't stand that. Kind of thing it's well, well, the, well the, th- the thing about that is that on the 360 that was that was xbox had that oh thing. yeah no i and i mean i think that's stupid too <laughs> um, yeah, yeah but yeah I just, wanted, I, I just wanted to make it like for clarity's sake that like yes. it, 
they the, these deals happen because someone is leading the industry and at the time the 360 was dominating the ps3 because the ps3 won the life cycle quote unquote yeah. uh but it didn't happen until the end of the ps3's life cycle that it actually caught up like 360 was dominating the marketplace for like the mid 2000s yes but yeah oh. i agree it's, it's also dumb um Unfortunately, those are just kind of how um, the slime works of the corporations. Yeah. Of, hey, um, if you don't do this thing, we're going to take it away from you. Um, I know the U- I forget what the uh, UK, um, like the regulation body, what it, what is it called that was trying to stop the uh, accusations? Uh, oh, I can't. I can't remember. Uh, off the top I of can't my think head. of it all the top of my head either. Yeah. Uh, but basically, the UK was trying to stop this deal from going through, and um, Activision was like, "Hey, we're not going to give you games in the UK if you if you don't do this." So uh, yeah. yeah, there's a there's a lot of uh, politics involved, as you would expect, with businesses and corporations, and uh, the whole lot of that. Um, actually, one of the things that I'll give you a little preview for next week on the episode as well. Uh, right before we started recording, it came out that. PlayStation actually tried to make Starfield a PlayStation exclusive before um, before Xbox acquired Bethesda at all. Yeah. So there was a chance that Starfield would have been PlayStation had they not been bought by um, Xbox. And you know when that when that deal went through and they or they announced it or it leaked or whatever I can't remember exactly which one it was. Um, they were like, "Wow, that's a lot of money for Bethesda." Even though I mean they're going to make that money back easily, but they were like, hey, that's a lot of money that they just spent. And it's Microsoft. It's a trillion-dollar company, right? But yes. at the same time, it's like, man, that's a lot of money. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, I forgot I forgot what, what the main point of that was. But I do want to say that PlayStation got uh, some Bethesda games exclusively before Xbox did, even after the acquisition, um, which was Deathloop and um, Ghostwire Tokyo. Those didn't come to Xbox until later. Yeah. But obviously, PlayStation had a good relationship with Bethesda, um, and then they got acquired by uh, Xbox. And then Xbox was like, "Hey, we can't allow these third-party games to be going to like the dominant leader in the industry. Like, we need as much reinforcement as we can." And that's why a yeah. lot of these acquisitions happen. Um, but yeah, a lot more of that on the next episode of the podcast for sure. Um, and moving on to more Xbox news, Drewby Drewby Drew. Um, in an interview with Famitsu, is that how you say it? Famitsu? Famatsu? I think it's Famitsu, but I, I could be wrong. Okay. Uh, if if you're not familiar, um, then you won't even know. You won't know how to say it anyway. So <laughs> forgive, forgive us. <laughs> it, it's a it's uh, a Japanese um, uh, like media outlet. site. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so Phil Spencer did an interview with them. Um, he says that Japanese manufacturers trust us and the, the development of the Kojima project is going well. Um, yeah. We still uh, don't know what that is, but it's very exciting nonetheless because Kojima yes. uh, is one of the industry's most exciting uh, leaders in video games. He's, If you're not familiar with who Hideo Kojima is, um, Death Stranding, uh, Metal Gear Solid, Silent Hills, and what, it, what PT was, was Kojima. Um, yes. Extremely weird, but one of the brilliant minds of the gaming industry. 
for sure but yeah um yeah it's really exciting that he's working on an xbox exclusive because he's mostly done work with playstation um so i'm like really curious to see like what he's got going on with that and like that's great news that you know a lot of work has been or like a lot of progress has been made because i thought that that this game was going to be like kind of further out since he's working on death stranding too um i don't know maybe it'll come out within the next few years um i'm kind of hoping it's a horror game because Peachy is like awesome and i'd love to see him delve into that genre um and to have like a horror game exclusive for xbox would be would be really cool yeah that would be massive um really excited to see what he's been working on besides death stranding 2 uh but i don't think we're gonna have to wait too much longer for that uh maybe the game awards or so yeah. um yeah and just we got two more pieces of news this week um not huge things but um just little updates i suppose so ea is realigning its studios into two organizations ea entertainment and ea sports um if you know anything about ea you know that ea gets their profits and a lot of a lot of their profits come from their sports titles yeah um fifa madden um the pga tour games are all ea um fifa itself drags in billions of dollars for them um ridiculous numbers but they've they split up um it's not necessarily like earth-shattering news but i think it's interesting that ea entertainment is a thing yeah because everything that isn't ea sports obviously is going to go under the ea entertainment uh umbrella yes and i i think this leaves the door open for um content and media outside of um outside of just games so i think they could do like shows and movies and you know netflix loves taking video games and making shows out of them so maybe something ea related is heading that way who knows um but yeah that's something to keep our eyes on for sure yeah Um, um one thing is that it seems like nothing is gonna really change too much as far as the teams like there's no gonna there's not gonna be any layoffs or anything like that they're just kind of separating their studios into like different departments so they can be more centralized and like what they work on um one small thing i mean like i guess it's actually a big thing but one big change that they're making is uh vince Zampella, uh who was the co-founder uh one of the co-founders of respawn entertainment um he's kind of been moving his way up through the the ladder of ea like over the yep. past five years um a few uh years ago or maybe it was last year i can't remember he uh started taking over kind of the lead charge of like all their first person shooters at ea uh on on top of like apex and all of respawn entertainment's projects um but now he's going to be the lead of the ea entertainment uh department um which is really exciting he's made a lot of fantastic games um and i definitely think that he has like the skills to do that i think that's like the right choice to make for for ea um so that'll be really exciting but yeah i definitely think you're onto something that them changing the name to entertainment kind of gives a little bit of a hint at like they're probably going to start moving into other forms of media um which i know for like years now they've been wanting to do a live action uh mass effect project Mm -hmm. um so 
fingers crossed because i think that could be a really cool thing if like i don't know let's say it's like an amazon show or something like that yeah as soon as you said mass effect that was the first thing that popped in my head is that uh amazon could really use a huge sci-fi show oh uh, yeah especially mass like effect would be great yeah because you know they had they had the expanse which is uh you know a massively popular show but that's ended it's it's been over for a few years now um so if they picked up a mass effect project that would be sick um and i'd be willing to trust amazon with that property too yeah i agree i think they showed us with uh the lord of the Rings show that um they're they're willing to put the money where the mouth is and yeah you know put out some quality uh and i think that uh, obviously mass effect is nowhere near the size of lord of the rings um but uh i think that they know that quality matters there and they have yeah. they, i mean they, they make amazon makes great quality stuff um they just don't have a ton of stuff which is kind of their their, their downside but it's the opposite of netflix's model of of just quality or quantity over quality um it's not like netflix doesn't have anything great it's just that they have so much netflix originals and stuff it's like how do I? How do you pick and choose? You know what I mean. And a lot of it's not worth choosing. So, yeah. Um, but speaking of choosing, Jerby Jerby Jer, the last piece of news that we have for you guys this week on episode six of the Cassie Live podcast is from Call of Duty. Uh, as Warzone moves ahead with exciting new experiences to come, Warzone Caldera will shut down on September twenty first. All Caldera uh, gameplay, player progression, inventories, and online services will expire on that date. Uh, if you're not familiar with what that is, that's essentially just Warzone 1. Um, Warzone 2 is approaching a year since release, um, so it's not necessarily surprising that they're shutting down um, the Warzone 1 and everything involved with it. It's not, I don't think it's baffling. Um, yeah. they, they want you to move to the next thing they want you to buy the new stuff the new um, skins guns and whatnot, whatnot. Um, you got any thoughts on this one? yeah so there's a, there's a few things um, first off the reason why they're doing this is because Warzone 2 hasn't been hitting the numbers that Warzone 1 was um, which I don't think it ever was going to like I feel like Warzone One when it first launched, that was, um, that was a phenomenon, and the the reason why it blew up the way that it did was because it came out right in the, the heart of, the start of the pandemic, um, so it just dropped at the perfect time. Everybody was indoors and playing their life away on Warzone One, um, <laughs> at least I know I did. <laughs> But, you know, yeah, like, it just, uh, it, it's very clear that they're doing this because they just aren't hitting the numbers that they want to with Warzone 2. Um, but I also feel like uh, they're doing this because I don't think there's enough people playing Warzone 1. And on top of that, Warzone 1 has had a huge problem with cheaters for a long while, even yeah, after true. they implemented some anti-cheat uh, stuff. Um, it's just not the anti-cheat isn't as good as it is in Warzone 2 um, so there's like quite a few reasons why they're doing this I'm not surprised by it um, and I mean yeah like it, it sucks for the people who still wanted to play it but you know that's just 
the way that this industry goes. Yeah, uh, you old know. game is old, and it eventually gets shut down. Exactly. Um, it, I, granted, this is being shut down a lot sooner than a lot of games do get shut down, but, I mean, yeah. with, with the sequel out, the sequel being free, um, like Drew said, the, the player base isn't as good, you know? Um, yeah. They didn't they didn't really innovate on much when the, when it came to Warzone 2.0. Um, yeah. And the Battle Royale thing, I mean, it's still kicking, but, like, you know, those extraction type of shooters are the next big thing, and, you know, that's yeah. in Warzone, but it's a small mode within the larger realm of the Battle Royale. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it's unfortunate, but, I mean... It's not like it's a shock. It's it's expected, even if it's a little sure. sooner than expected. Um, but yeah, there is one more thing I do want to add because I think this is a great gesture. Uh, so I guess for the last news story now, uh, this comes from uh, Dexerto. Is that how you say it? Dexerto, yeah. Um, so Guerrilla Games added a Lance Reddick memorial um, and a new patch to honor his memory. Um, I don't know if it's in the Burning Shores or in the base game, but there is now a um, spot that you can go in uh, Verizon and <laughs> view uh, a memorial for Lance Reddick. Um, if you don't know, he is an actor who passed away a few months ago. He's in a lot of things that you've probably seen, um, notably in gaming. Um, Verizon, obviously, he's like he's one of the characters that was in both... Um, Forbidden West and Zero Dawn. Uh, yeah. He was in John Wick. Um, but he passed away. Yeah, he passed away tragically uh, a few months ago. And um, yeah, Gorilla added a uh, a memorial for him, which is awesome. So yeah, I'm definitely going to boot up Horizon tonight and just go visit that because that sounds really lovely. Um, and yeah, so on that note, uh, once again, thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the Casting Minds podcast. Stay up to date on the latest gaming news and more. Uh, we'll see you guys next week with more FTC versus Xbox. And hopefully the week after that, a review of Final Fantasy 16. But that is um, that, that remains to be seen. Let's, let's, let's see if we can get through the game first. Uh, but yeah, guys, thank you guys so much for listening, uh, as always. Thank you guys for the support. And uh, we'll see you next week.